You're listening to Past and Present, the Colonial Williamsburg Podcast. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I'm Harmony Hunter. Colonial Williamsburg's weave shop produces textiles for all kinds of uses, from ship sails to bed sheets and small clothes. But all of those items share a starting place, and that's the thread that they're made from before they ever reach the loom. Karen Clancy is here with us today. She works in the weave shop and often finds herself at the spinning wheel. Karen, thank you for coming by today. Thank you for asking. Well, I've said that you make thread. When is it called thread and when is it called yarn? Ah, they actually share the same definition. Yarn, string, thread are all the same definition of twisted fibers. It's the application of their use is what you call it. You sew with thread, build on a loom or knitting with yarn, and you fly kite or tie a package with string. Let's talk about wool products. Mm -hmm. If you're talking about working with wool, um, where does that process start to go from the sheep and then all the way through to something that you can weave with on the loom? Well, once the sheep are shorn, you separate the better wool from the less um, productive wool. In other words, some of the wool is not good for spinning. It's better for stuffing uh, its legs, its stomach, um, around its neck where it gets matted. Um, it's not fit for spinning. doesn't make a good strong yarn or string or, or thread. Um, so you separate and sort it. Um, then you have to wash it. Uh, the lanolin and the natural waxes and grease have to get washed out. It makes it very difficult if you do not. So this washing process, do you do this once a year when the sheep are shorn? When the sheep are shorn, um, you tend to wash it. You don't really want to have a lot of the lanolin sticking around in hot weather. It can actually deteriorate and kind of make for a sour type of or rancid oil. I mean, that's what it is. Um, so it can kind of ruin the fleece. So you want to try to clean that up as best you can first. I have it ready to go when you're when you're able to have some downtime. Um, it's pickup work, really. Um, you need to let it dry. It takes a little while to let it dry. One of the characteristics of wool is that it can hold about 30% of its weight in water and still feel dry. Um, so you really have to spend a lot of time, and our humid climate is not really the best conducive climate for drying. I, laundry doesn't dry half the time outside. Um, so we spend a lot of time just kind of watching things dry. Uh, and then we need to brush it and, and organize it into um, some semblance of order. It's like brushing a hair on your, on your dog or curry comb a horse or brushing your own hair. You need to align the fibers, although randomly they're not perfectly in alignment, um, but the, using the set of wool cards, they're a little bit different than cotton cards. The gauge of the wire is a little stiffer. Um, and you just gently align the fibers transferring from one paddle or one card to the next. Uh, it takes very little time um, to, to get what we call a bat or a rolag, um, a piece. It's just a fluffy wool um, that allows us to, to slide. In the process of creating thread or yarn, is that one of the more time-consuming steps, the carding, the combing of the wool? Yes. It, it depends on your project. Do you, want to, do you want to have a three-piece suit look like a sweater? You'd be ahead of your time. <laughs> Um, or do you want to, want something to be very um, insulative, warm? Uh, you would comb your wool, which is a set of very, it looks like row after row after row of very sharp, long, ten-penny nails. 
which you impale the locks on and it's stationary. One of those combs, large combs, is, is stationary. The other you hold and you you drag through. It separates the long fibers from the short fibers. You have a small piece of wood or shell or uh, horn is what we use from one of our Devon cows with tiny holes in it. And you, you fish a little bit of that prepared combed fiber through one of those holes. The, the piece that, that has the holes in it is called a diz. As you pull those fibers through, it makes it, those fibers completely parallel. That, when it's spun and twisted, will make a slick, shiny, um, hard almost um, yarn called worsted for suiting. It's appropriate for suiting, very slick, shiny, and reflective, um, as opposed to carded, which is combed, randomly aligned fibers to make air pockets, which will make it fuzzy and make it insulated for blanketing and anything you want to stay warm in, like our sweaters today. So that's the difference between carding and combing of the wool. You have to know what project you're working on to prepare the fibers appropriately. So what happens then when you take that carded wool to the spinning wheel? You have um, your spinning wheel um, with a bobbin. You tie a, you know, a piece of string or yarn or whatever you have handy. Um, it's called a lead string. You need something for the fiber to bite onto because uh, it's hard to spin in midair. With <laughs> and you uh, have a, a U-shaped piece called a flyer with a row of hooks on one of those ribs. It's just a two-sided, looks like a wishbone, um, and one of those ribs has a set of hooks. That... Um, lead string that's wrapped around the axle of the bobbin is placed along the hooks through a hole called a, the orifice and now you, you hold on to that lead string. The wheel is put in motion by a flick of your fingers and it's kept in motion with your the pedal like a pedal sewing machine and the whole mechanism starts moving. A dry band keeps that wheel and the flyer moving and the bobbin is moving and it's providing the twist. You fray out the end of the lead string just to give you some surface area. The bat, the, the rolag, or the prepared fibers is placed um, on top of that lead string. You hold um, the lead string with your left hand. It's the place I start usually. There's many different techniques. But I want to keep the twist away from my fibers. I want to gradually control the energy that it's producing. It's like winding up a rubber band on a, a balsa wood airplane. It's building up lots of energy, but if you let go too soon, it's gonna take off someplace you don't want it to go. So I hold with my left hand and keep the energy back as it's building up twist as I'm pedaling, and it's like holding back a, the energy of a dam. You hold back the energy. I have in my right hand my fibers and the lead string, and I gently slide back a little bit um, and I let go of where I've been holding and keeping that energy back and the twist travels up. It races up. It wants to move. It, it wants to release energy. I hold again um, at a stop where it stops where my two fingers meet. I hold, I pull back, slide, pull back, and I keep sliding because I know by feel and practice how much to let slip through my fingers to make consistent yarn. 
when you're finished making enough or you have run out of arm, you let up on the, uh, on the tension and the bobbin winds and stores the yarn you've just created. Until you develop your own rhythm and you make the yarn as thick or as thin as you want for that particular project you're working on. And it's very, it becomes very um, zen-like after a while. It's very relaxing. The fiber slipping through your fingers is like petting a dog with that, or a cat you don't have to feed. Um, and, it's very, and, the, and it's very rhythmic. And it's, some people find uh, writing very relaxing. And spinning is that tactile relationship that you have that very, is very, very rewarding. It's amazing to think of the energy and the time that goes into making a length of thread, especially when you think about carrying that thread to the loom and then turning that into a textile. When you're interpreting this spinning and um, creating this raw material for weaving, uh, do people often, are, are people often surprised that that's you know, half of the labor of the weave shop? They are so used to seeing yarn on shelves already prepared and then turning it into something and not realizing that there was time spent um, to put it on the shelf to make that. So for whenever, one hour of weaving at the loom, you're spending 12 hours from the sheep washing, carding, spinning before you can make, a, make anything. So not only does it take more time than you might have ever reflected on, but it also seems to me for as timeless a trade as it is, for as timeless a practice, you picture a woman at her, her, her spinning wheel all the way back to the, to the Greeks, but it seems to me that it's also very finicky, very tricky, very difficult to master. Do you find that connection through time, thinking back on all the people who have sat in front of spinning wheels? I am amazed when I look at um, very old textiles, um, ecclesiastical linens from Italy that date back to the ten hundreds uh, that were so finely spun by masterful hands. Um, when you think about the, the yarn that was being spun out of linen, which is uh, fibers out of grass stems, out of flax plants that are so gossamer thin, um, we have this thing in weaving where you have so many threads packed into an inch. It's called ends per inch. Um, now on our loom, we have 45 linen threads per inch. I've seen some textiles um, that are upwards of over 100 that were hand spun by m these hands that I, it just defies um, my understanding of hand spinning. We're so used to perfect in the 21st century that it can only be done by mechanization. And that yet I've seen some f incredible things that I dare any mech machine to, to duplicate. It's just incredible um, craftsmanship. Well, we want all of our listeners to come by and see you in the weave shop doing this wonderful carding and spinning and weaving. Uh, where's the weave shop? Where can people find you? It's on the Duke of Gloucester Street. Uh, it's Kitty Corner across from the Bruton Parish Church, and it's uh, about a block and a half from Merchant Square, where the first shop or the first introduction, really, to the historic area um, on the main street, the Duke of Gloucester Street. Well, we hope lots of people stop by to see what you're up to. Karen, thank you so much for being our guest today. My pleasure. Do you have a question or suggestion for the show? 
leave a comment at podcast.history.org.